Hey, what's going on? It's Bill Byrne. It's time for the Monday Morning Podcast for July 5th, fucking 2021. How's it going? How the hell are you? How was your weekend? How was your 4th of July weekend? Did you have a good time? Did you cook some burgers and dogs and maybe some chicken and some hogs and some fucking uh, some veal, veal cutlets? You have a big bag of potato chips. Did you drink too much? Did you say that thing you shouldn't have said, but then you said it and it didn't even feel good because everybody looked at you like you were the asshole, even though you don't think you are? Is that how you celebrated the birth of America? Happy birthday to America. Happy belated birthday to America. Happy belated birthday, dear America. I'm very thankful these fucking lunatics didn't burn down all of Los Angeles. I will tell you, you really see the lack of power that law enforcement has if everybody just decides to ignore one law. They just get overrun. Every year out here, during, um, ah, sorry, fucking can't stop yawning. You know why? Because it's 548 in the morning. 548 in the morning. I got to help my wife with the kids today. So I I woke up early. I was having stress dreams because I knew I had to knock the podcast out because I got two other fucking things I have to do, right? And I'm telling my wife, you know, I got all this shit I have to do. And I see the look on her face like, well, what the fuck? I got the kids all day. Are you going to be able to help out? You know? So I get up early. Oh, freckles, I wasn't done with my beauty sleep. I wasn't done dreaming. I was having all these fucked up dreams. I think it was the stress of all the shit that I had. For some reason, I owed... I owed people money. And I was driving around like I had a bookie I had to pay off. And he was weird, like I had the money. I had the money, but I, I couldn't fucking, I couldn't find the guy. And then I finally gave it to the guy and he opened it up and he had, and like marinara sauce went all over his face. I had like a fucking like racist dream about fucking Italians. I owed this Italian guy money and he opened it up and all this fucking pizza sauce went on his face. And he's looking at me like, are you out of your mind? Because it was all over the money too. And I was saying to the guy, I was like, dude, I don't, I was like, I don't give a fuck about money. I'm just, you know, I'm sorry. I don't know how that, how it got like that. None of it made sense. Didn't even make sense to me. But it's like, I wouldn't try to openly disrespect you because I know who the fuck you are. I don't, I don't know what any of this dream meant. All right? And then there was somebody in the middle of it somehow. I'm not going to name names here. I saw this other comedian and I owed him money. No, I didn't owe him any money. I gave him something. So forward, he had these fancy fucking, he had slippers on. These fancy fucking slippers that were all monogrammed and all this shit. And somehow some sauce got on his slippers. So then the mob guy goes, I ain't accepting this fucking money. And by the way, you owe so-and-so some new fucking slippers. So then I got mad at him. And I said, listen, I, I know I owe him slippers. I was going to fucking buy some anyways, but not because you fucking told me I have to. 
Then I was thinking, why am I yelling at this guy like this? This guy's going to fucking kill me. And then I woke up. That was the end of the dream. I don't know why there was pizza involved. Maybe because I'm on a diet and I'm trying to lose the weight. You know, old Freckles lost his two to three pounds this past week. I'm down to like, you know, 186, 187 after tipping the scales at almost fucking 190. I'm on my way in the other direction, despite the fact everybody's telling me I look fine. You look great. I think you look fine. I think you look fine. I look fine. I put on fucking 15 pounds of chocolate cake. I don't look fine. You have body dysmorphia. I hold myself to a higher standard. (laughs) Jesus fucking Christ. You think I was Karen Carpenter? Your face looks better, does it? With all that frosting in my cheeks. Um, so anyway, I, I did pretty good when I was out in Los Angeles. It was my first road date. My first road date indoors, official ones. I played at the Cosmopolitan. I did three shows. I had a great time. And I'll tell you what is really fucking amazing about stand-up comedy. After the last year and a half of basically not really leaving you know, Los Angeles, my act became very regional. I can't say it became regional. It just, I just became used to the sound of Los Angeles crowds. And the first show Friday that I did, um, where you go to Vegas and it's a cross section of America, people from all around, waddle onto planes with their tank tops and their flip-flops to walk, just walk around casinos looking at shit and not really gambling anymore. It's the weirdest thing about Vegas now. Now it's like, you know, it used to just be, right? This is where you came out to go fucking gamble and bring your guma so she quit fucking bitching at you, you know? She quit bitching like Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> um, I didn't even see that fucking race. I got I got it taped. I'm going to watch it today. But I guess um, Max Verstappen won again. So, of course, the fucking story isn't that Max won. It's that Lewis didn't won didn't win and he's complaining like, oh, not fast. I mean, he has a better pace. He has a better. I mean, uh. Lewis, do you think you can win? No. No, with the car that we have, we're not, you know, I think they got even faster and we're not getting faster. And, oh, oh, he's just going to win. And all I have to do is, you know, I'm just competing for second or third place. <laughs> it's just like, buddy, you got your own fucking private jet. It's fucking, it's sick. Fucking thing is sick. It's fucking this maroonish black. It's one of the sickest fucking planes I've ever seen in my life. Hey, what, what are you fucking whining about? You win the goddamn championship every fucking year. I mean, I, how, how much does it have to be tilted in your fucking favor? At, at the whole fucking thing. I have to have the best car at the most money every fucking week or else I fucking whine about it. Jesus fucking Christ. These stupid fucking people in the press, like that's the story. If the story is either he wins or he, or how does he feel that he didn't win? And meanwhile, somebody else is winning the race. A guy by the name of Max Verstappen. 
who's now has a sizable lead, a sizable lead. Hey, is there any way everybody who covers racing could could fucking tell me, uh, you know, how Lewis Hamilton feels about being uh, fucking a whopping 18 points behind? Let me guess. He's not happy about it. (laughs) 156 points to 138 points. All right. This is what's fucking hilarious. Max Verstappen has four wins. He's got three wins. So like you're one race behind. Well, what's what are you fucking crying about? I don't know. I got to stop reading that shit and just watch the goddamn races. They always do shit like that in every sport. They just have there's the one fucking diva that the whole fucking thing pivots around. And if they don't win the whole like no matter what, you're just going to have to hear from this person. So then what ends up happening, you end up resenting the person. Maybe it's the press. I should be upset with the fucking press. That they're not covering Max Verstappen, who's been driving for fucking Red Bull all of these goddamn years. Stuck with him. I didn't hear that guy bitch moaning and complaining. Every fucking week being like, oh, Mercedes-Benz has all the fucking money. If I fucking drove for them, I fucking win every fucking race too. I don't hear that every fucking week. I'm not even mad at Lewis Hamilton. I just didn't get enough sleep last night. I'm trying to fucking plow through this podcast. That's what the fucking problem is. Right, right, fucking now. Um, so anyway, these, um, these people come out there to Las Vegas and uh, from all over the country. And the first show I did, just the sound of the crowd was so different than what I was used to. And the things that made them laugh and didn't was just subtly different enough to kind of throw me off for like the first 10 minutes. You know, I was like, what the hell's going on here? Plus, I went out there and I did the worst thing ever is I made like a... uh, I made a set list, you know, which I kind of do normally, but like for some reason it like put me in my head rather than trying to flow because I was trying to mash together shit I was doing before the pandemic and then the shit afterward. And then I finally figured out that like, dude, just do what you always do. Go out there and talk about the newest shit you have that's the most exciting to you. And then your shit will naturally, like, weave its way in. The old stuff. You'll say something with the new stuff, which will be like, oh, that relates to this idea, and then talk about that. And then you'll start flowing. So it took me the whole fucking weekend to figure out to do that. The shows went great. But I'm just saying, like, I was up there literally like, how the fuck do I do this again? I don't really remember. But um, I don't know. I really had a great time, though. But I had to kind of remember. I don't know if I ever told you guys this. I do this thing when I walk to the microphone sometimes. I'm I'm sort of like, uh, I don't want to tell you guys because then you guys will be like fucking looking at me as I'm doing it. I do this little fucking thing that empties my brain. That has nothing to do with my act. has nothing to do with the fact that I'm walking onto a stage I just fucking, you know, ah, whatever I'll tell you. I just, I sing a stupid song that doesn't even fucking exist. It's just dumb and it doesn't make any fucking sense. And I just empty my fucking brain. 
So when I walk up there, I'm not thinking anything. Um, so then I won't go into robot mode of like, good evening. How is everybody? Oh, that is fantastic. And now here's the idea that I already knew I was going to talk about 20 minutes ago when I made this fucking set list. And now I will be way inside the back of my head, trapped in my act over the next 60 to 90 minutes. (laughs) So I kind of forgot how to do all of that shit. Um, I, I worked it all out basically within the first like 20 minutes of the first night. Um, and then over the course of the weekend, sort of the order of things that I wanted to talk about naturally uh, like fell into place. And uh, it was, yeah, it was just a fucking amazing weekend. I had all these people come out to see me, friends that I, I haven't seen in a while. And, uh, the only bad thing of the weekend was I went downstairs and I wanted to get something to eat, right? And uh, they got this hot chicken place there, all right? And I go down there and there's like a fucking two-hour line. I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Why does every fucking hot chicken place have like a fucking hour-long line? Why is that shit so goddamn popular? Do you know they got this fucking place out here called Howlin' Rays? All right? I remember that place when it used to be just a food truck. And this is back before I was shaving my head and I would just buzz it down. And I used to buzz it down like once a week or something like that to keep it fresh to death. So I fucking, <laughs> I would go over there and the food truck would just be sitting outside this fucking barbershop that I went to. Like every other week, it'd just be sitting there. And I would just walk up to it. Maybe there'd be one other person in line. And I was like, this is a fucking really good chicken sandwich. This might be one of the best chicken sandwiches I ever had. I told my wife about it. We would have them and we enjoyed it. We walked up. Hey, how are you, sir? With your freshly buzzed fucking cue ball head. I said, oh, I am doing fine. Well, what, what can we get for you? Oh, I would like one of these. All right, well, it'll be this much money. Well, here's your money. Thank you so much, and good luck with your business. And then one day they fucking say to us, hey, this is the last week of the food truck. We're actually becoming a brick-and-mortar store. We're becoming an actual location. I was like, oh, that's great. I'll look you guys up. Congratulations. I love seeing stories like that. You know, you came from nothing. Yeah, you, you fucking murdered some chicken, and you put some hot shit on it, and people liked the way it tasted. And now look at you. Like Al Capone, going from the streets to your own little fucking hideout. God bless you. I can't wait to go there. So one fucking day, a couple of months in to their store, I'm like, hey, remember that fucking food truck? And he was like, oh, boy, oh, boy, do I. I said, hey, would you like to go? Oh, I'd fucking love to get a chicken sandwich. I go over there. It was like, there was like a fucking line. I can't even describe how long this fucking line was. Well, of course I can describe it. Here we go. It went out the fucking restaurant door, down the street, through like a seating area, because it was a whole fucking area, I believe, where there was other places where you could get shit to eat. It went through that, back out the food court area, 
onto the sidewalk and all the way down the fucking street. And I was just like, well, fuck it. (laughs) That's what I do at all of these. I haven't had a hot chicken sandwich. I can't remember since. There's just nothing worth standing in line for fucking two hours for. I'm not doing it. I'll go across the street to a fucking Denny's with a bunch of old people sitting in it and get some stupid-ass Grand Splam breakfast before I'm going to fucking stand in line for two fucking, for the better part of a fucking day for a goddamn sandwich. I just want to say to the people in the line, don't you value your time? What are we, in a communist country? Stand around here for bread. This is America. You can get a fucking sandwich before you can even think that you want a fucking sandwich. You're standing in this fucking line for two fucking hours. Oh, so good. Oh, my God, it was so good. Oh, really? Now your feet are swelled up twice the fucking size? You know what the reality is? Is I really wanted that fucking chicken, and I'm still fucking thinking about it. Maybe I'm just impatient. Maybe I should have stood there. Do some Elvis because I was in Vegas. With the fucking flip-flops and a tank top on. And I would have waited for some chicken. And I would have ate it by myself. The line was so fucking long. I actually called up Andrew Themelis. And I said, Andrew... And he said, what? I said, I'm going to do a celebrity thing here. I'm going to big time this fucking line. And he goes, all right, what? I go, I want a fucking hot chicken sandwich. Is there any way I can use whatever leverage I have that I'm doing my shit and dick jokes upstairs to bypass this fucking line? And he said, hang on. He called me back and he said, no, you cannot, sir. That chicken place has nothing to do with the casino. It is an independent corporation. And I said, fine. And then I walked by this other place where nobody was in. No, you know what I did? I said, fuck this. There's an in and out that's off the strip. It's fucking two and a half blocks away. I'm just going to fucking go over there. Then I'm thinking, what if I walk all the way over there with no sunblock on? There's a bald ginger with a little hat on. And I get over there. And there's more people in flip-flops and tank tops just lining out the fucking door. Then what am I going to do? Well, fortunately, I never had to cross that bridge because it took me like 20 minutes to figure out how to get out of the fucking casino. And when I did, I, I, I couldn't get off these skywalks that just led to other casinos. So I finally got down to the ground and I get on the ground and I, make, I go around to the left because I know where the fuck I'm going and it says the sidewalk is closed and I'm like, Jesus Christ, I got to walk all the way around the other side of this fucking casino? So I do. By the time I get to the other side of the casino, it's so fucking hot, I just go back into the thing. It's so now I'm back into the fucking casino. I didn't get in and out. I don't have a fucking hot chicken sandwich. I'm still fucking as white as chalk. And I see this fucking lonely maitre d' standing at this fucking, you know, restaurant area. And I say, hey, 
Are you guys open? She's like, yeah. And I was like, all right. Can I come in and eat? She's like, well, you know, it's like a half hour wait. And I said, but she's like, you can sit up at the bar. And I just started walking away. It's like, I get it. I get it. You're busy. I get it. <laughs> just fucking walked away. I went upstairs and I realized that I had an apple in my backpack. And I just ate that. And I just sat there shaking my fucking head. So then yesterday when I went to go leave the casino, I was walking out and ended up on the food floor. And I saw that the hot chicken place was open and there was nobody in line. But it was like fucking eight in the morning. I was like, I don't want a fucking hot chicken sandwich. But part of me was thinking like, you should just go eat one because there's no line. And then I was like, that's a panic thought. I don't make decisions in that mindset. Fuck that chicken sandwich. (laughs) So then I come home. The 4th of July festivities are getting going. And my wife, one of the worst things I ever did, I taught her how to turn on the flat top grill. So now she just takes over. She loves fucking cooking on it. She absolutely loves the thing. After all these years of giving me shit for owning the fucking thing, she now absolutely loves it. She's making fucking burgers and hot dogs like... You know, just completely emasculating me. I mean, a grill comes on like I'm supposed to be fucking doing it. Nope. She's doing it. And all I'm thinking about is that fucking hot chicken sandwich that I wanted. (sighs) Oh, you know what's even worse is we ran out of gas halfway through. Because she's been cooking on the thing. And because she's been cooking on it, you know, I usually, you know, reach down and I go to lift the thing up. If my old ass fucking... Arm, if I can pick it up and do a curl with it, I know we're getting down to it. But she's been cooking on it like the last two or three times. And um, so she cooked the dogs. You know, she did a great job on those. And then she made the burgers. I'm standing around like fucking useless. And she was on the way out going like, hey, am I doing these burgers right? I'm like, well, you know, you want the patties nice and thin. You want a three ounce fucking thing and you want to fucking have it super hot. That's what you want to do. And I get out there, and it's not hot at all. But this sizzling because there's the leftover heat, and I just sort of peeked in, didn't see a flame. I'm like, you're out of gas. She's like, I'm out of gas. I get you're out of gas. So we had to finish them in the fucking pan. They were still delicious, though. Still delicious. 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 So, of course, today's my weigh-in after I ate burgers and dogs, but at least I didn't have that fucking hot chicken sandwich. And I did the elliptical twice. When I was out, you know, both days I went to the gym, you know, threw the weights around a little bit, and uh, I really miss going to the gym. But I want to thank the Cosmopolitan Casino, okay, except for that fucking hot chicken sandwich place. Um, I had such a great time. All of the people that showed up, all of the people that have been holding on to the tickets that they had since before the pandemic, I could not have had a better time. Um and, I, and actually, I was actually, you know, happy in a way that the uh, 
that the chicken place had the long line because I actually got out and walked around the strip a little bit before it was too fucking hot and I had to go back in. And it was like, I can't remember the last time I walked around in Vegas. You know, after a while, I was just like, because those casinos are so big and they're so difficult to figure out how to get out of there. You know, like I I had to like, when I got out of off the elevator, when I was downstairs trying to find the chicken place, I like was doing like the Hansel and Gretel thing with the breadcrumbs. I was like making mental notes of what is where so I could get back to the elevator. <laughs> and then even then, I think I, I got a little bit lost for like half a second. You know, it might have been a hot chicken fucking rage. But anyway, I worked out there with uh, Rick D'Elia and Al Duchamp, who does the voice of Anthony on F is for Family, and he was closing with that bit, you know what, you know what, which is the bit that we saw him do, and that's how we ended up on the show, and I got such a fucking kick out of hearing the crowd, you know, the, you know, he killed all week, as did Rich, uh, Rich, Jesus Christ, as did Rick, and um, he fucking, uh, in the end, he would close with it, and just to hear people, like, freaking out, like, oh, fuck, that's the guy that does the voice, on the show, you know, it's such a surreal feeling when you see shit like that. It took me back to a long, 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 long time ago. I did Bonnaroo. It's mainly a music festival in Nashville, Tennessee, and um, they had stand-up comedy in an air-conditioned tent. So, I went to go see this band that had brain on drums and I want to say Les Claypool was in it. And I remember the lights went down and this was the early two thousands and I was on Chappelle's show and the lights went down and I just heard this guy way over on one side of the crowd go, what? And then somebody else yelled out, yeah. And then somebody else from somewhere else went, okay. And I was like, I got like chills. It's like, holy shit. Like, that's when I realized that the, uh, all of these people were watching the show. I knew everybody was watching it, but like, to just have it validated like that. I kind of, I mean, this is a much smaller <laughs> scale than how big the Chappelle show was. But it was that feeling again of like, yeah, I mean, I know, you know, we're in our fifth season. Obviously, people are watching F is for Family, but it was really cool every night. I made sure every night I was up there when he was doing the bit so I could hear it. So, um, and then it just so happened that a bunch of people that I knew and loved were in town. And um, I had a little balcony on my room and uh, they all came over to the hotel and we all just fucking hung out, all of these comics just hung out on Friday night because I only had one show. So I had a big hang Friday night back at my room and we just sat there fucking talking shit and telling stories, laughing our asses off, smoking cigars and all of that shit and just had a fucking great, great time. Um, So it's good to be back. And uh, I was also happy that, you know, Thankful for all the fucking people out here that during the pandemic started all of these rooms, you know, 
started, you know, the, the, at the Magic Castle, the Jam in the Van, all of these places that I did, the Supernova, all of these places that I was able to keep my act where it needed to be so I didn't go out there and, and embarrass myself. So there you go. So that's what ended up happening. And other than that, I was out there by myself and... um I think I FaceTimed my kids like fucking at least five times. Um, and I was fighting off the depression of missing them as much as I did. But then on the other side, I was like really happy that I did miss them. You know, so like, all right, I'm fucking normal. Because <laughs> if I didn't, you know, that would be a bad thing. If I was just out there like, ah, Jesus, finally, some fucking me time. Um, and also Rick, the great Rich Little, the guy who taught me how to do the the Letterman show by watching him when he was on David Letterman. I never met him, but uh, he was at the Aladdin and he had a 6.30 show and I was really tempted to walk over there and watch it, but I, I just didn't know. You know, I assumed it was sold out or whatever. I didn't know how to get tickets or anything. So um, that is one of those things when I get to Vegas, there's always like a few legends out there. The last time like Donnie and Marie were out there and they were wrapping up their show at the Flamingo, and I was like, man, I got I to gotta see them. I used to watch them when I was a kid on the Donnie, Donnie and Marie show. Um, one of these days, I'm just going to go out there. What, what do you mean one of these days? I got two kids. I'm never going to do it. But I want to just go out there and just go see, like I would love to do it, see Donnie Marie, then go see Rich Little, and just go see these people live, you know, before they... Uh, retire or whatever because i feel like that's the last time donnie marie were going to do that thing you know at this point they're in their 60s they still like each other they're probably like well why push it you know what happens if we have that big fucking fight that's been brewing since 1970 whatever um all right what the fuck i wrote that you know i wrote this thing down asking this guy to retell it wisconsin the fuck does that mean? Retell what? Oh, speaking of Wisconsin, though. Speaking of Wisconsin, your Milwaukee Bucks minus Giannis Andre Davizioso Contumpo uh, are in the finals against the Phoenix Suns. That's fucking fantastic. Both pylon teams had injuries, so they couldn't win it all, which is great. The Phoenix Suns, I don't know that they've ever won a title. If they did, it would have to be all the way back in the 70s. I think they, no, they went to the finals, the NBA finals. That's the plural one. Stanley Cup final is singular. Um, they played the Celtics, Dave Cowens, when we won in 74-76, and there was some classic like triple overtime game that the Celtics won. I think that's the last time they were in the finals. Man, that's unbelievable. I hope Giannis comes back, though. Um, let's see here. Phoenix Suns. Your Phoenix Suns. Let's see, I got to look it up here. Wiki, Wikipedia, Duda. Here we go. Phoenix Suns. I don't think they have any titles. Zero championships. Conference titles. They went in 76. That's right. 
Then Charles Barkley, they went in 93, lost to the Bulls. They lost to the Celtics in 76. They lost to the fucking um, Chicago Bulls in 1993. Now they're in in 2001. And what do you notice about all of those? Oh, no, that's wrong. The math is wrong. It took them 18 years between 76 and 93. Right? No, it's not 18. That's 17. Yeah, there goes the theory. I thought it was 18 and then 18 years again. And I was like, no, it's 18 and then 28 years. Nope, it's 17 years and now 28 years. Huh. All right. Well, that's interesting. Milwaukee Bucks, I believe the last time they even went to the finals was 1971 when they had a man named Lou Alcindor who was a great center. So after he's, after a while, he's like, well, I'm a great center. I have to leave my team and go play for the Lakers and get them some championships because that's what are they going to do, draft somebody good? They don't know how to do that. <laughs> I'm fucking with you. I'm fucking with you. Um, they got one championship, 1971, conference title. Oh, 71-74. They lost the Celtics in 74. And now 2021. Jesus Christ, they almost went 50 years. Yeah, because, I mean, it's such an easy thing to do because you had, uh, you know, you had the Celtics and Lakers dominance and then the fucking Pistons and then it was the Bulls decade and then the Spurs won five and the Lakers bought, you know, another four or five Then Miami bought like two or three. Celtics bought one. Warriors bought one or two. Yeah, there's a lot of people out there just throwing their fucking money around like the Kardashians. Actually, they get their shit for free, don't they? And all of a sudden, that's just it. The fucking, it just goes flying by. Look at the NHL. I mean, look at it. Stand back and look at it. They're adding a new team out in the fucking uh, Seattle, which is going to be a smashing success. Now there's going to be 32 fucking hockey teams in the NHL. They started off with I don't know how many. Then the depression came and they went down to six. And then it was six from like whatever the depression what was that, 1927, 28, 29, whatever the fuck that was, for like 40 years to 1967. You had the expansion six. Then they went to 12. They added a couple, two, three more teams like the Capitals and the Islanders and that bullshit in the 70s. Then they got some from the IHL. Then they gradually, you know, they got up to like 26, 28 fucking teams. Then they're like, well, we got to have 30 teams because every other fucking, you know, major uh, sports, I don't know, professional sports uh, league has 30 teams. Now they're up to 32, just like the NFL. So I think the NFL is going to be like, well, wait a minute, we're supposed to have the most teams. And next thing you know, like Albuquerque is going to have a fucking NFL team. Um. So what I'm saying is, is that the, the droughts, okay, are going to become significantly longer. And I'm calling it right now. It won't happen in my lifetime. But somebody is going to go uh, longer than, than, than the Chicago Cubs between championships because there's just going to be so many fucking teams. All right? Especially in the NBA, if you're just going to continue to have these fucking pile-on teams. 
And I don't want to hear it from you fucking pylon team loving cunts out there who's like, well, you look at you, Bill. You said Brooklyn and the fucking Lakers are going to get to the final. The only reason why they didn't get there is because their superstars got hurt. If they didn't get hurt, they would have fucking been there. You know it, and I know it. So don't come at me with your fucking, your, your little fucking tweets on the Twitter there because I don't give a shit because I, I like being right. There, what do you think about that? I don't care what you think about that. You're a fucking Tampa Bay Lightning are up three games to none. And I was really enjoying them beating the fucking shit out of the Montreal Canadiens. But then I found out they're $18 million over the salary cap because evidently they found a fucking loophole where they put some guy in injured reserve and then he came back. So uh, the Canadians do not have any ability whatsoever to stop um, Tampa from spending $18 million over the salary cap to go back to back, which is great. The people at Tampa, they need that. They absolutely need it. I mean, if you look at people in Montreal, people in Montreal look like they're doing fine, except for the drug addicts and the homeless people there. But other than that, if you look at the average person walking around, you know, they're bilingual. They have nice clothes. They have a, they have a, a, a good sense of who they are. You go to Tampa, oh, Oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, it's just, I don't, I don't know what it is down there. It's, it's just a city that time forgot. All right, everybody's down there. Like, you, go, you walk around Tampa, and it's like, is everybody on their way to a cookout? That's, <laughs> sorry. I'm just fucking with you. I'm just fucking with you because I know that that when Tampa wins, they're going to start calling Tampa title town, which is going to annoy me considering we had to fucking win for 20 straight years across all of our sports. All right? We didn't just go back-to-back winning cups and winning one lousy fucking Super Bowl. But I guess that's how it is. I guess that's how it is. Um, I'm fucking with you. I'm excited for Tampa, all right? Very few people respect you. You know, nobody goes, holy shit, I'm going to Florida. Oh, yeah? Where you going? Miami Beach? Anna. Better. I'm going to Tampa. I mean, most people think the name of the city is Tampa Bay. Because all your teams are called Tampa Bay this, Tampa Bay that, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tampa Bay Lightning, Tampa Bay fucking Rays. Howlin' Rays, Hot Chicken, fuck, Rays, Tampa Bay Rays. They used to be called the Devil Rays, you know? But people down there are so goddamn religious that they don't believe in doctors and modern medicine, but they think if their baseball team has devil in it, that somehow they're going to become possessed if they go to the game. This is what you're dealing with. These people need championships. (laughs) They're frightened. All right? They're scared of doctors. Tampa, can I ask you a question? What is it about intelligence that frightens you so much? You know, why can't you be like me? When you meet somebody smarter, you know, you'll argue. I'll, I'll, I'll do one lap. I'll, I'll, I'll challenge once and then just be like, all right, all right, I get it. You're smarter than me. You know, it's over. I understand. Um. By the way, uh, I kind of uh, stumbled upon this band called The Bar Case. 
which uh, I didn't know was Otis Redding's. The original ones was his, uh, the band that, you know, his backing band, is that what you call it? And unfortunately, oh, that's what asking this guy to retell it, Wisconsin, was about. When Otis Redding died in that plane crash, most of the bar case, the original band, died um, with him. And there was one guy that survived, a trumpet player. So, um, you know, having a pilot's license, I want to find out what happened. It sounded like they got, uh, you know, because of the weather conditions, they got ice on their wings then they couldn't stay airborne. Because what happens, people? What happens when you get ice on the wing? It changes the shape of the airfoil so it can no longer do the job. It also adds weight and it adds drag. All right? And if it becomes significant, there's a tipping point where you then can no longer stay airborne, at which point you are fucked. What kills me is they they made two attempts to land. The first time the guy was too high and the second time he was too low is what how this guy was telling it. He went around three times, um, which I find hard to believe with the amount of hours that guy had. He would have known his airport. He would have known the elevation before he went there. If he did a couple of missed approaches, I would think that it was, you know, instrument conditions. What I'm learning is basically when you get to the decision altitude, or the, uh, what is it, the minimum descent altitude or whatever. You hold that or you immediately ex- execute a fucking missed approach, just, just depending if it's a precision or non-precision approach. Jesus fucking Christ, I got to take this test. Um, so I think he missed it twice. And then when he came around the last time to try and get it, uh, I think that that's when it happened. I don't know. I don't know what happened, but it was fucking horrific. Um. So I wanted to find out what happened just so I don't get into that situation. So I looked up the guy to see him talk about the, you know, the plane crash all these years later. And he's standing in front of a crowd. And at first it's like, okay, is there something wrong with this guy? You know? because he's really old now and I was worried, you know, there was something going on with his brain or something. And then I realized it was actually still hard for him to talk about it. And people are sitting there in the crowd going, you know, we, he's like, we, we were in, uh, and the guy in the back's going, Wisconsin. <laughs> like people like myself are so selfish. They want to hear this story and they're not realizing like these were this guy's friends. And this was this horrible traumatic thing. And they're just like, uh, the plane started breaking up. And it's just like, I was like, I have to shut this off. I'm not going to watch this guy doing this shit. Um, so anyway, there's this band called The Bar Case that uh, basically had happened to the same thing that happened to like Leonard Skinner, but like 90% of the whole band was wiped out. Amazing band. I downloaded some of their stuff and they kind of seamlessly went from the 60s right through disco um, and into the 80s writing hits and they had to get all new personnel and stuff. And uh, I was really enjoying a lot of that music. I'll see what I, let's see what I fucking downloaded. And then I, I downloaded a, a uh, Max Roach album, 
protest album from the early 80s, I'm sorry, early 60s, because this woman sings on it. I was blown away by her voice. I downloaded one other one. I forget what. But um, I think by watching all of these movies in the 70s, these obscure movies has got me into like getting to into more obscure music because I was I've always been, you know, mainstream Marty over here where I was just uh, mainstream Mikey was probably a better one. Um, yeah. Like when I got into Aerosmith, I just bought greatest hits and I was fine with that. But one of my buddies, he was the one that started buying the albums bought like toys in the attic and rocks and get your wings and i was listening i was like oh fuck this they have other good songs because i was just like well if this is their greatest hits these are their greatest songs and i'm fighting with music it's not about the greatest hits it's about those other ones so i've been getting into that and uh yeah just kind of having a good good fucking time but i am so once again i can't tell you guys i felt like i dreamed this weekend how much fun i had doing stand-up again and uh, and just listening to the crowd and people heckling. The whole, the whole fucking experience was just awesome. So thank you to everybody uh, for coming out. I really appreciate it. All right, and with that, let's read. Uh, and it's also nice to be on the road and to get lonely because you got something to come home to, you know? For all you comedians out there, if you're doing what I did, we're thinking like, oh, I got to fucking get, I got to get to this fucking level first or else I won't, and then I can start a family. You don't, you don't need to do that. You know, <laughs> if you have a fucking family, you get married, you're going to work even harder. Uh, it's one of the big myths in stand-up comedy. Uh, if you get married and have a family, you're fucked. And, you know, as we sit there and watch Ray Romano and all the success that he's had, and he, he started a family, and uh, it just added to him as a performer. Um, and the stuff that he could talk about on uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. All right. Roman, everybody. Most guys have tried different ways to last longer, but thinking about baseball doesn't always work. The folks at Roman, an online men's health company, are changing the game with Roman Swipes, the secret to longer-lasting sex. Roman swipes are a clinically proven way to last longer in bed. They're effective, easy to use, and fast acting, but don't require a prescription. All right? Roman can ship swipes to you in a discreet, unmarked package. Package. <laughs> of course it is. You know what? The mailman's standing outside your house. Cock shit his pants. Like fucking what's his face in Pope of Greenwich Village going, this guy comes too fast. Hey! Oh, coming too fast over here at fucking 8 Maple Drive. Uh, it's a discreet. Uh, unmarked packaging. Well, maybe the fucking uh, mail person busts a nut too quick and they're going to swipe your package. That's a federal offense, you know? But people will re- resist that. Or not resist and They'll block that out. They'll risk that rather than, you know, the embarrassment of the other shit. So this is why they exist. All right. Unmarked packaging and each swipes package is small enough to hide in your wallet for whatever you need. Swipes are great. They will not transfer to your partner so you can last longer without worrying. They're super easy to use. 
Just take the swipes out of the packet, swipe it on, let it dry, and you're good to go. That's it. Go to GetRoman.com slash Burr and get $10 uh, off your first order of swipes plus free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash Burr for $10 off your first order of swipes plus free two-day shipping. I wonder why that is, you know, that it's just so much easier for a guy to get there than a woman. I wonder why that is. It doesn't make any fucking sense. You know, but I know that it's on the guy. You know, it they they blame guys. You know, that when it takes a woman that long, it's like, well, you can't satisfy her. And you know, if it was the other way around, it'd be like, well, you know, women are just more in touch with their bodies. <laughs> Ladies, get your fucking head in the game. Jesus Christ, it already takes you long enough to get ready. We're always fucking waiting for you. All right, Simply Safe. When Simply Safe Home Security's founders, Chad and Eleanor Lawrence, Lawrence, decided their first designed their first security system, Jesus Bill, in their kitchen. They did it for a very personal reason. Their friends had just had their home broken into. Look at that. Necessity, the mother of invention. And they did it in the kitchen. This is like some old school American stuff. They were struggling to find a security system. Ah! Sorry. That was simple to set up and would make them feel safe again. Oh, yeah, if your friends had the house broken into, you're going to be freaking out like a mind next. Making people feel safe is what Simply Safe has been doing ever since that moment 15 years ago. Well, how smart are Chad and Eleanor Lawrence? I mean, I'm not smart enough to design an alarm system. I would have done what every dumb person does. I need to get a gun and not learn how to use it properly. Um, Not saying that everybody who gets a gun doesn't know how to use it. I'm just saying that's what I would do. You get the gun first and then be like, oh, I'm going to take some courses. You know, it's like when you get a new video game, you know, do you fucking read the instructions on how to play? No, you just start playing the game going, what the fuck? What the fuck? Oh, this is how you do it. All right. A passion to protect people not only drives every engineering detail in his products, but it motivates every interaction with its customers. And the thing is, Simply Safe. Sorry, guys. Sorry for the yawning. I know I'm making you yawn, but you know, I had to get up early to do this. Okay. These are my, I have excuses just like Lewis Hamilton. And the thing is, Simply Safe just makes it so easy. Not once did he say, Max Verstappen is a fucking great driver. Uh, it takes about two minutes to customize a system on their website. SimplySafe.com slash Burr. S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F fucking E. Simply Safe has highly trained security experts ready whenever you need them. Is there someone in the house? Because I'm coming over. Whenever there's that, whether it's, that's during a fire, a burglary, a medical emergency... Or even, I used the swipes and my dick wasn't numb enough. Um, Or even just when you're setting up the system. There's always someone there who has your back to keep you safe and make sure that you feel safe. To learn more about how Simply Safe can protect you and your family, visit simplysafe.com slash bird today to customize your system and get a free security camera. You also get a 60-day risk-free trial, so there's nothing to lose. That's Simply Safe dot com slash burr um 
All right. Oh, wait a minute. I didn't even look at the fucking questions for this week. Now, what the hell am I thinking here? You know, I brought this shit up before. This is something I, I, I wanted to talk to you about. I was watching last night because I went down this rabbit hole and uh, of uh, Johnny Carson's. And I ended up uh, seeing Dudley Moore on the show, which reminded me of... Um, Sorry, I'm trying to look this shit up here. How they used to they make these comedy albums where they, they do these, these two characters. Um, God damn it. What the fuck is the name? Oh, let's see, Wales. That was a bit. It was like everything in comedy. Yeah, Derek and Clive. And they went to these studios and they just fucking improvised these fucking albums. They're absolutely brilliant. They are completely 100% unfiltered. They are absolute fucking masterpieces. And what I also love about them is it shows how comedians improvise. Where actors and all these people are always just like, you're not doing it right. It's yes and. Whatever I say, you agree with it. Okay? And comedians don't do that. Comedians improvise with no fuck you. And if you watch in the, in, in, in the improv world, they act like it doesn't work. Well, re, listen to these fucking albums because it does. It does. They disprove that theory every three seconds on these fucking albums. And um, what, what I love about these albums is when you watch these things, this is everything that non-funny fucking people are trying to get rid of in comedy. They're trying to get rid of the, like, the level of brilliance in this and, and these fucking idiots who have no goddamn sense, not only no sense of humor and not only lack talent, okay? They don't even understand comedy. They don't even understand what the fuck it is that they're criticizing. They don't understand that like, I don't know why did we even begin this fucking subject. Like, say when any anytime anything bad happens, if there's a tragedy and a comedian has a joke, they're so fucking ignorant of comedy that they take it as, oh, he made a joke because he doesn't care, because he's happy that and he's not taking it seriously. When it's a lot of, it's the exact opposite. It's because you do care. That's the reason why there's gallows humor. You have gallows fucking humor because. What you're seeing is so fucking overwhelmingly emotionally, you, you don't want to feel the pain that you make a joke to give yourself a break from it. And these fucking mouth-breathing morons are like, how could you say that? It's so insensitive. They don't even know what the fuck they're criticizing. So, if you want to just see completely unfiltered fucking comedy, I, I would watch uh, The Prince of Wales, Derek and Clive, and then there's the one uh, song Dudley Moore sings. Uh, hit the deck, broke his fucking neck. There was no blanket. Laugh, we nearly shat. You got to fucking hear that one. It's about a guy. There's like a house fire and these guys fucking, 
He's freaking out because he doesn't want to burn to death. And these guys are on the ground saying, hey, jump into this fucking blanket. So the guy jumps and he fucking hits the ground because there was no, there was no blanket and he dies. And then the guys who pretended there was a blanket are just laughing their asses off. And I guess when Dudley Moore then made it as a Hollywood superstar and became box office boy, as I call it, he was terrified that these albums were going to come out and they were going to ruin his career. Because even back then, there's just always dumb fucking people that don't understand comedy beyond knock, knock, who's there. Um, and I cannot tell you, even though um, I didn't discover these, these albums until I was like 10 years into my career, it was something that I was naturally pro- trying to progress towards, which I haven't gotten there yet. It's just to be completely, totally, 100% unfiltered so you can try to tap into whatever talent you have. Is you have to just, you got to fucking open the spigot, right? And um, I was naturally going in that direction because every comic that I loved was doing that on stage back before there was all of these fucking cameras and social media and all of this shit where now all of these fucking people who aren't really that funny want stand-up comedy graded on a curve and they want all of these people that are way, way more talented and way more brilliant than they are to, to paint between the same, within the boundaries of their own fucking lack of talent. And that's basically what it is. Because you can't just sit back. You have an inability to sit back and, and accept your talent level and realize that there's going to be people better than you and let them be better than you so then they can show you where the new bar is, which will bring you up and you'll actually get better. Which is why I always try to watch people that are better than me. <laughs> it's fucking basic. Can you imagine like in music if they did that? That if all the intermediate, intermediate guitar players found great guitar players offensive and told them that they were not allowed to play the guitar beyond the level of their intermediate level. That's what the fuck they're doing with comedy, I feel. That's my own fucking opinion. I'm sticking with it. And I'll never get off this argument or that the fucking NBA piling on teams are fucking stupid. All right, with that, with that, let me try to get to some of your questions here. See if I have the time. If I have... If I, Michael Schechner group, that's another one that I fucking downloaded. Stumbled upon that one where it was uh, metal music before it had makeup and hairspray. (laughs) And it's just fucking. um, Oh, here we go. Great emails. Okay. Salads. Dear Billy Cabbage Hips. I wish I had cabbage hips. I have frosted face. Um, If you're trying to lose weight, be careful of complex salads. Some vegetables aren't meant to go together with things like quinoa or brown rice. Or in your case, quinoa, you pussy. Just kidding. Always look into it. Oh, fuck you. Give me the answers, man. Some healthy salads can slow digestion. Don't want my favorite comedian to look or feel bloated. Go fuck yourself. All right. Hey, eating a salad? 
You eating a salad to try and lose weight. Hey, just to let you know, some of those actually don't work. Well, which ones? Which ones? Which ones don't work? Sorry, gotta go. Look it up sometime. If I didn't know better, I'd say you're trolling me. All right, girlfriend pissed at me for her selfishness. Uh, oh, Jesus. Dear Billy Gynecomastia. Look it up. All right, I'll look it up. There's some doctor laughing right now. Gynecomastia is a condition of overdel. Oh, my God, you intellectual cunt, you. Is a condition of overdevelopment or enlargement of the breast tissue in men or boys. The breasts become larger. They may grow unevenly. Often happens when a preteen or teenage boy is going through hormonal changes or puberty. Oh, that's fucking terrible. Somebody have to go through that. Um, All right. And now you know what? I fucking lost my questions. Where the fuck are they? Now I have to click on every window. All right, girl. Okay, okay. She so just called Billy Billy Fat Tits in a gynecomastia. All right, I recently got into an argument with my girlfriend over a vacation pitch I made. We've been dating for over a year and are both medical students. Look at you guys rolling in the dough. But do you have time to see anybody? You see each other, and uh, and want to practice in Montana or Colorado when we finish school. I asked her if she wanted to go on a week-long vacation to Colorado this week winter in order to see what it's like. She's been twice before, and I've never been. She replies with, well, you don't like skiing as much as I do, and if we're not going to be skiing every day, then I don't think it's worth the money for me to go. She's also rich as fuck, so money is not an issue. I told her we can go skiing three out of five days. We're there, but there's plenty more to do besides that, like... Breweries, snowshoeing, snowmobiles, etc. Well, that sounds fun. You go to the brewery, right? Then you go snowshoeing, hammered. You fucking, you know, work off the booze weight. Then you get on a snowmobile and you ride home. Anyways, he goes, silly me for thinking that being a compromising person was a good idea because she hit me with, that's not something I want to do, so I'm not going. So I replied, okay, sorry, I even asked. She proceeded to say, no need to have an attitude. Buddy, I'm going to stop right here and remind you of how many women out there would love to be married to a doctor. This chick is the way you're, I mean, granted, this is just your side of the story. This chick is a fucking nightmare. Um, Anyway. And I, I would like to revoke her medical license because she's too fucking up her own ass and she's going to be taking care of people. Anyway, and all a, a medical degree is going to do to this person is make her even more arrogant. Anyway, and then when I tried to change the subject to something else, she got mad at me saying that I shouldn't be mad at her. Now she's been ignoring me for two days because I asked her to go on a Colorado vacation with me and do multiple activities instead of just, yeah, one thing, the fucking thing she wants to do. In the meantime, I've talked to my buddies and the five of us are going to go instead. Whoa! Oh! Oh, hey, you know what? You got balls. I don't get too mad at that. You're like Christopher right now. Hey, Tommy, why don't you go fuck yourself? That's what you just said. That's exactly what you need to do with a fucking woman like that. Well, go fuck yourself. I'll go with my friends anyway. 
So she can just sit at home and be surprised when my Instagram posts are of me and the boys having cold ones in Boulder. Love the podcast and can't wait to see you in Atlanta uh, in October. Ah, is there anything better than self-esteem? And before I get trashed by the women out here, is if a guy did that to you, that's exactly what the fuck you should do. This is how you set up a healthy fucking relationship. Okay? You made a suggestion. She said she didn't want to do it because of this, this, and this. You offered a compromise. Not only did she not want to do it, she acted like a fucking child. So what did you do? Did you sit there and be hostage to her fucking own goddamn emotions? You said, no, fuck it. And you're going to go anyway. And you know what that's going to do? That's going to make her either grow the fuck up or break up with you, which is perfect. She's either going to become an adult and realize that she was in the fucking wrong and he's not be such a fucking baby, or she's going to leave you and you can go find somebody, a woman that is an adult. Who doesn't want to go to Colorado? I want to go to Colorado and go to that, go to the fucking that hotel where they shot The Shining. I didn't realize it was only an hour and a half northwest of Denver. I want to go check that thing out. Stand outside of it and just yell, Wendy! All right, overrated. Hey, Bill Blurry Eyes. I'm writing to you from London, where there is even a more boring version of baseball, and that is cricket. I like cricket. I like those games. What everybody everything has to be so fucking fast. Just sit around and fucking watch it. Have a good time. Shoot the shit with your friends. Anyway, to be fair, I moved I moved here about a year ago from Eastern Europe, so I didn't grow up watching cricket and rugby, but I but basketball and football, handball, etc. Basically everything that has the word ball in the name. Um uh, my best experience with watching a baseball game was when I was in San Diego, a whale's vagina. I remember the team was playing against a team called the Cardinals. Love the naming you guys have. I guess you were just running out of any Native American-related stuff. What are you talking about? We ran out of animals, is what we did. So now I don't know what the I don't know what the that Seattle team is called. The Crackers. And it's some sort of myth, mythical fucking octopus. Uh, but basically, my friends and I... Oh, I get, he's making fun of the racist shit. I get it. All right. But basically, my friends... Yeah, because you guys are so fucking progressive in Europe. If you, guys, you, know, you guys, if you're not on the same currency, somebody thinks they're a superior race over there and tries to wipe everybody else out every fucking 20 years. Uh, but basically, my friends and I barely made it to the sixth inning, after which we went to a bar nearby where the locals were having a karaoke night and had no talent for singing at all, and even that was more interesting than the game. Too slow, too much repetitiveness, and too much fireworks. Judging by the celebration, people might think the USS Midway aircraft carrier they have just docked after a successful battle every time somebody hits a ball. Anyways, love the podcast. All right, so you don't like cricket? You don't like cricket or baseball? Um, Yeah, there's a lot of people like that right now. If If the game isn't like... I mean, if you go to a w, uh, WNBA, if you go to a fucking NBA game, every time there's a stoppage of play, they have tumblers and DJs and all kinds of shit fucking going on. Um, I don't know. I hope they're not shooting off fireworks every time something happens in baseball now. I know, that, I know they do shit with, like, the scoreboard, and they try to crank it up and make it really fucking loud. Uh, 
It's a real, it's, we're in a really bad time right now for live sports. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that it's going to come back. Uh, all right. A word for new segment. Dear Monsieur Fire Crotch, <laughs> I am a longtime listener from England and love your show. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, Monsieur Fire Crotch, that's how he should have said it. Over the years, I have heard you talk about how you were learning to speak French. On and off, I do. Uh, for the last few weeks, you've been talking about the strange feeling of regret about the things you wish you said at the time, but didn't think of it until it's too late. Well, I thought you would like to know that the French have a fantastic phrase for this. I remember it as it's maybe my favorite French fa- phrase as I spent most of my life suffering from the same annoying problem. L'escalier. Um, the spirit of the stairs. Ah, the spirit of the staircase. Woo! Literally the meaning, the spirit of the staircase. I'll let Wikipedia explain. This name for the phenomenon comes from the French encyclopedist and philosopher Denis Dierot's description of such a situation in his Paradox sur le Comédien. Paradox of the Comedian. During a dinner at the home of statesman Jacques Necker, uh, Necker, I remember uh, was made to a remark was made to Dierot, which led him left him speechless at the time because he explains a sensitive man such as myself, overwhelmed by the argument leveled against him, becomes confused and doesn't come to himself again until at the bottom of the stairs. Um. Anyway, it's a bunch of shit here in French. <clears throat> I remember a lot of these words. Once I get past the instrument exam, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick this shit back up again. In this case, the bottom of the stairs refers to the architecture of the kind of uh, hotel or uh, mansion to which Diderot had been invited. In such houses, the reception rooms were on the Estage Noble one floor above the ground floor, to have reached the bottom of the stairs means to have definitively left the gathering. Seems like this was pissing off the French long before us idiots figured it out. I hope this adds a new phrase to your vocabulary that you can mutter to yourself. Um, Or maybe they were fucking such cunts to each other they came up with this phrase uh, that you can mutter it to yourself to starve off the internal rage. P.S. Check out Dean Martin's version of Gentle... Gentle on my mind, as it puts a strangely positive spin on the lyrics, like Dean was happy to not see her again. <clears throat> oh, okay. Oh, the Glenn Campbell song. Yeah, well, Dean was the coolest fucker ever. All right, let's wrap this up here. Um, things I should have said. Hey, Billy Mozzarella Legs. Uh, been listening to the podcast for a long time and a big fan. I have my own. I should have said this story from when I was 18 working at a golf course. Look at this. And how old is he now? He's still thinking about it. I worked at a fairly high-end golf course in Vancouver. Even wrote it out for me. I was one of the bag boys who greeted you when you showed up and got your clubs set up on your cart. I did that job. Part of the job was for us to take out, take note of the tee sheet so when players arrived and gave their tee time, we could recall the name without referring back to the tee sheet. 
made us look good. Well, one day a guy was walking up from the parking lot and I walk over to greet him and get his bag. I say, hey, how are you? What time are you teeing off? He replies, 1040. I say, it's, I say, perfect. It's booked under Mr. Smith. He goes, I can't remember the last name. The T sheet gave the first name and the last name of the person who booked. He quickly replies, that's actually Dr. Smith. And then proceeded to lecture me how he spent 10 years in medical schools. Uh, oh, that he didn't, he hadn't spent 10 years in medical school to be called Mr. Ah, this guy needs to marry that fucking Colorado chick. Now, having some family members who have gone through medical school, I know they only spent eight years in school. I wish I could have said, isn't medical school only eight years and just left it at that? Oh, that would have been great. I still think about that encounter and many other things I wish I could tell him now. As, as always, go fuck yourself. Yeah, isn't it always eight years? And did you go to medical school so you could exaggerate it to somebody half your fucking age that's putting your bag of clubs? All right. If you were athletic, you'd be playing a sport. Enjoy your activity for the next fucking three hours, you cunt. Um, hey, Bill. Bill should be the next Batman Burr. I don't know about that. I play a villain, though. Uh, back in the day, my high school had a batshit crazy Christian group that swept through all the grades with people acting. I could be the next Lex Luthor. Um, through all the grades with people actively recruiting students while being very secretive about what actually happens at the meetings, including towards parents. Um, wow, that's crazy. Probable kid fucking aside, the thing that really pissed me off was when, of the, one, of these, when one of these dickheads spoke in class about how one of my favorite bands at the time, Ramstein, should be banned from the school because even though it is in Russian, you can clearly hear them calling children to Satan, etc. I just popped in my headphones and got on with it. But to this day, I wish I said, that's amazing that you speak Russian, but more amazing since they are a German band, you cunt. Cheers and go fuck yourself. I know. I know, but you don't say it. And that's why we have this segment called What I Should Have Said. It'll haunt you for the rest of your life. What was said? Dear Billy Chunky Trunks. <laughs> fuck you. Oh, that's so true. This is a story from eighth grade. We had a health teacher who was a complete scumbag. Let's call him Mr. G. Now, this is eighth grade, so we're 12 years old. This guy, a grown-ass man, would flirt with the girls in class. Can't stress scumbag enough. 12 years old? Ah, There was always that teacher that, you know, flirted with the high school chicks. That was bad enough. Oh, my God. So a few weeks before Christmas that year, Mr. G was involved in a car accident while inebriated. Great. Um, He was not driving, but was drunk. I know this is a fact because my dad and brothers are volunteer firemen and responded to this accident. During the extradition of Mr. G and his friends from the car, Mr. G was throwing empty beer bottles at the firemen, telling them to leave. My dad and brothers tell me this because they know I can't stand him. I tell people at school and it gets around school and gets back to Mr. G. Uh Uh-oh. You were talking out of school. Mr. G confronts us in class one day, goes on a rant saying he wasn't drunk, blah, blah, blah. He goes on to say that the speedometer only said 45. 
A quiet kid in class named Blake says from the back of the class, that's what the speedometer looks like when you're drunk. (laughs) We all died laughing. The look on his face was priceless. He held Blake after class, but no detention or anything. I still remember it to this day. I'm 34 now. Still one of the funniest things I ever heard. Thanks for the laughs during a really shitty uh, year. Yeah, this is uh, oh, what was said. Oh, that's great. Oh, I got to think of those. You know, it's funny. I, di- I didn't have too many of those in my life. Even growing up, like I would think of comebacks and shit. Sometimes I would just fall on the knife and get detention on purpose just to get the laugh. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't think, yeah, I had the typical comedian upbringing where people always got the best of me. (laughs) Then I'd walk away. Oh, that's what I should have said. God, I'm so stupid. All right. That's the podcast, everybody. Um, half of happy 4th of July weekend to you. Even if you're not in this country, you still get a 4th of July. Why not celebrate it? There's gotta be some loophole that you can come up with. You know, you can come up with. I identify as American. Therefore, I'm taking a three-day weekend on July 4th. You know, why do they get that holiday and we don't? Um, That's it. Go fuck yourselves, and I'll check in on you on Thursday.